Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, Dave. Um, did you see the note from Zarin? Uh, no. It was it was nailed to the front desk here at Ridiculous Crime HQ when I came in today, and it says, "quote and I quote, Hey, rude dudes. I had to blow town for a minute. Need to take some care of some stuff. How do I best put this? It's for a quote investigation. All right, bet." Do not call the Flying Squad. I'm renting a car with Kelly Slater and Marshawn Lynch, and we're going. And then the rest of the paper's torn off. So that's it. I don't even know what that means. So hmm. that's ridiculous. That, um, okay. Right? Do you have a ridiculous crime that you want to tell me about? I mean, we're here. You know, I always travel with, uh, with a whole list of ridiculous crimes. But um, hang on. It's on this piece of paper that I was using to play MASH. So let me just unfold it here perfect, perfect let's see no not that one <laughs> definitely not that one okay here we go how about the story of a college kid turned bank robber who is inspired to commit his crime by a steve mcqueen movie and gets away with it for 50 years only to confess on his deathbed whoa yes give it to me <clears throat> This is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free and 100p ridiculous. You damn right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Zer... Oh, wait, no. I'm Dave Kustin, and with me in this imaginary blanket fort is Elizabeth Dutton. Hey, Dave. Along with our interns. Hey, interns. (laughs) Hey, interns. We do not know where Zarin is. Uh Uh-uh. Uh, so I'm just going to take this and I'll try not to let you down. I have faith in you. Thank you. Elizabeth, I want to tell you about a 19-year-old community college student in the late 1960s. His name, Theodore Conrad. Teddy. 
Teddy walks out of a bank in Ohio on July 11th, 1969, in broad daylight with over $200,000 of the bank's cash. What? So that's the equivalent of $1.7 million today. Oh, my God. Wait, just walks out of a bank. He walks out. He's got it in a brown paper bag. (laughs) uh, And that's kind of all he's got on him. And it's not that he slipped out without anyone seeing him. He actually waves at the security guard. Security guard waves back. They share a smile on his way out. Wow. Okay. So he's 19. He's 19. He just pulls off the caper of the century. Uh Okay. So he's got his his bag of cash. He goes back to his apartment. He waves to his landlady. He calls his girlfriend and apparently tells her he's going to Pennsylvania to attend a concert. (laughs) Well, he's got the cash for it, I guess. Yeah, he's, uh, he's ready to go. So he hops in a taxi from there, heads to the airport, and like disappears for the rest of his long life. You're kidding. Yeah, that's it. Um, And almost immediately, everyone knows who did it, too. In fact, he gets indicted by a grand jury just two months after the robbery. Huh. But by then, it's too late. They have no idea where he is, and he's in the wind. Really? Did they ever, they find him? They find him because, uh, as I said in the intro, he he confessed at the very end. Oh, my God. Uh, But it's not until after he's dead that they actually track him down. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, and it's really like a complete disappearance. He never mm-hmm. talks to his friends and family again. Um, he lives to 72 or 73, something like that. Wow. We've talked before about guys who can't seem to like hide out. This guy is the antithesis. He, he hid out. Yeah. I mean, he got it done. Like, as far as I can tell, he basically fulfills Zarin's three elements of the crime, right? <laughs> He's going to be so bummed he's not hearing (laughs) I know. This is kind of made for him. I know, right? So, as I mentioned, the only reason we know about what happened to Teddy is because he confesses. He confesses to his wife on his deathbed in 2021. Wow. Um, But it's not for lack of trying. Hmm. There's this Marshall who dedicates his entire life to sniffing Teddy out. Marshall's name was John Elliott. And when he's done and ready to retire from the Marshalls, his son, Peter Elliott, also a Marshall, picks up the thread. <laughs> it's like a total family blood feud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and if John's son, Peter, uh, in one of the articles about Teddy's death is quoted, and I quote, we'd be at dinner and he would say, pass the mashed potatoes. And where do you think Ted Conrad is? His, <laughs> his whole life is like this. Like his oh, dad is just yeah. absolutely like filling out the crossword puzzle sitting there and like... <laughs> Every word is Theodore, 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 Theodore. Oh, my God. And to make the story even weirder, the Marshal John Elliott even knows Teddy Conrad by sight. Like, didn't witness this, the um, the crime, but it was just small town connections. So, like, they shared so the same. he knows his name. He knows his, what he looks like. He knows his name. How he knows it- what he looks like. How did he rob the bank? Are you going to tell me that later? I will tell you. Yeah, we'll get to that. Okay. But yeah, so uh, Elliot and Teddy share the same doctor. No way. The marshal used to go to the same ice cream parlor where Teddy worked before his bank job. (laughs) So like really knew each other, knew each other. Yeah, no, a lot lot of cross paths. So he died in 2021. And by now it is known how he did it, which is even more ridiculous than you know so far. Um, The marshals know why he did it which is, uh-huh. I think, even more ridiculous than that. And we also know where he ended up for the bulk of his life after the big heist. But even knowing all that, there's still a ton of unanswered questions that I couldn't find any answers to. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for this. So let me set the stage a little bit before I tell you about our 19-year-old criminal mastermind and what his crime looked like. Mm-hmm. We're now, remember, we're in July of 1969. And I would say the country had a lot on its mind. A little bit, yeah. Right? Like, we've talked about the Summer of Love several times on this show and traced various crimes and events. Um, but until I dug in for the research on this, it didn't really all connect up in my mind that this is all happening all at the same time, like in the same three-month span, basically. Right, right. Can you name just a couple things that were going on in 1969? Summer of 69? Summer, yeah. yeah. That, when, the six, that, when the first that Brian, six string... That Brian Adams <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so beautifully sang about. <laughs> the original um, six string. <laughs> Bought it at the five and dime. Uh, Woodstock, right? Woodstock yep. happened that summer? Um, moon landing. Yes. Right? Yep. And then the reason, then when I say moon landing, it makes me think of Summer of Soul, that uh, 
uh, Questlove documentary. So those concerts were going on. Totally. That's June 29th yeah. through August 24th. So right in the middle so right of when there. this crime happens. Got it. Yep. Uh, you also have uh, The Beatles' Get Back makes number one. Okay. Stonewall Riots, same oh, summer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, Give Peace a Chance also came out, uh, and John and Yoko end up in the hospital after a bad car wreck. Uh-huh. July 8th, U.S. troops are withdrawing from Vietnam. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then also in music, you've got the Rolling Stones release Honky Tonk Woman. David Bowie releases Space Oddity July 11th, this same oh, weekend. You're kidding. Oh, my God. Yeah. So then like July 13th, Russia launches their unmanned rocket to the moon. It just like goes on and There's on. There's so much the, going on. The first death of the Troubles in Northern Ireland. Um, oh, you're kidding. Was that summer? Yeah, it was, was July, uh, oh, July 14th. Wow. You move to the 24th of July. Muhammad Ali is convicted of avoiding the draft, which, oh you know, God. later his conviction will be overturned. Right. July 25th, the next day, Teddy Kennedy pleads guilty to leaving the scene at Chappaquiddick that killed Mary oh Jo Capetli. Wait, this is like, this it's, is so tumultuous. Isn't like, this amazing? I, I'm understanding like the, oh my God. Um, then you have Hurricane Camille, which is a category five hurricane that kills more than 250 <laughs> people in Mississippi and Louisiana. <laughs> we can't, I mean, here's, this is something that I think about a lot is that everyone always feels like they're in the end times. Exactly. You know, it, there's the Yates poem, Second Coming, that basically, you know, helps us understand that, that we always feel like we're in the spin out part of things. But people have been feeling that for a very long time. Yeah. I mean, I know I felt that uh, at times in 2016 and times in 2020 mm -hmm. and was like, oh, this is just, especially with Twitter, you just see like more and more and more things happening. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And. And I mean, I would think that with with the power of all these things, and we only I only got through a small fraction of all the stuff around sure. the world that was going on, that you would read it in the paper. I mean, like there, some things yeah. would get like a little postage stamp, but still you would have that view of all these mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've talked about people who've robbed banks before. I would mm -hmm. say more than a few of them. <laughs> Quite a few. We've got Arno Funke. We've got Radon Faid, Hatton Garden folks, Attila. Mm -hmm. Do you have a... a do you have a third favorite bank robbery that we've covered? <laughs> Who is my third favorite? I don't know. Uh, uh, did he rob banks? Well, I guess like, he, he robbed the trains, Billy Miner. Yeah. Kind of robbed banks because it was like, you know, bank property. I like it. That's yeah, my third and, favorite. And he had the whole, like he invented stick them up, right? Oh, yeah, totally. So, Put your hands in the air. I'll take it. Wave them just like you don't care, man. <laughs> but they didn't know what that looked like back then. They're like, well... I'm going to have to invent what if what they I did. What if they were like, hey, oh, hey, and then it was lost to history. And then it was part of <laughs> Spiritus Mundi. And then we all collectively came back around to it without knowing. Are you going rebel yell on me? Like a hundred percent. It's in all these books. Like, yeah, they waved them like they just don't care. And yeah, people have been trying to reconstruct it. <laughs> That's what happened. You got to admit, it is a, a wily crew and a pretty diverse crew of, uh, of bank oh, yeah. robbers that we've covered. Yeah. I don't know if there's, like, I don't think there's a stable and consistent profile across all of them. So, like, there have been bank robbers in every era, but I'm not sure if you sent an invitation and got them all together for an annual meeting, <laughs> like, what that would look like if they would get along. Like a reunion. Yeah, or, or like, they've got business to do every year. Like, they got to vote on the proxy stuff. Oh, like a convention. <laughs> like a bank robbers convention. I'll go to that. I would say that a lot of days in a minimum security prison are bank robbers convention. <laughs> fair. Very fair. <laughs> so when we look at Teddy, his mom, famous concert violinist, Ruth oh. Beth, who had grown up in Deadwood. Deadwood, Deadwood, Deadwood? Yeah, yeah. The place, <laughs> which kind of like tells you how close together things are in history that we think are very far apart. Right. Uh, but I mean, obviously, now hold on. So this is in the 60s, so... Yeah, she's they, not like she's not like Calamity Jane firing <laughs> guns and <laughs> no. I'm like, you know, how old was she? It yeah. was still around, but it wasn't. Yeah, like because they yeah. they got married in like the forties, maybe. What a place to be born and grow up. Yeah, That's right. Pretty cool. Um, his and his dad is a decorated naval officer. Okay, so just um, like a straightforward all American. Yeah, good family. Like, yeah, like Major Dad, like Gerald McCraney. I'm thinking <laughs> his dad was Gerald McCraney. Um, Spoiler alert. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's hard to know through newspapers what people's private lives were like back then. So who knows if he was a happy kid or not. But yeah. in, in later interviews, his friends say, you know, he was quiet. He was articulate. He was, everyone says he was nice. Yeah. Sounds like, yeah. 
Um, but something must have happened in the transition to college because the one thing we do know is after less than a year at this place called New England College, which was a small school that had started like not too long before, and he was elected class president in his first semester. Hmm. Um, he was there for, for just less than a year, and then he transfers to Cuyahoga Community College back home in Ohio. Hmm. Well, so it's hard, it, to, it's hard to go off to school, I guess. For yeah, I mean, or maybe it was, here, here's another fact that maybe this is why. Uh-huh. His dad was a professor at New England College. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I can maybe understand a little bit more why he bailed out. Do you think, like, it was just like, ah, oh, dad, like... Yeah, well, it's like a small college. I've yep. never... I'm not familiar with it. Um, it sounds kind of generic, New England College. Yeah. Like Hudson University on the Law & Order franchise. <laughs> um, but yeah, you go across from, you know, where was the Ohio, you said? Yeah. So then he goes to generic New England. Yep. His dad, yeah, I'd get out of there too, dude. So, well, here's what I want to do. I'm giving you the pen. Yeah. Uh, I want you to tell me why he chose to transfer. Oh, okay. So he's, he signs up for a class and finds out it's his dad's class. Ooh. No, how about this? He doesn't know his dad is a professor. <laughs> no, okay, let's say he knows. He goes in his dad's class and his dad is just like, you know, just harping on him and and embarrassing him. So he's like, I'm out of here. Or his dad's trying to help him really hard and he transferred to a community college because he was failing. That's that could probably be it. a more likely thing there. But yeah, either way, he got out of town. Something happened, yeah. So he gets back to Ohio. He hooks up with a steady girlfriend, Kathleen Einhaus, and he gets a job as a teller at Society National Bank. Hmm. Curious. Yeah. Uh, and right now it's early 1969. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask you when that was. Okay. So he, he goes back. He's working. He's going to the community college working as a teller. Okay. Yep. And there's one thing that we know catches his eye in this time period, which is the Steve McQueen movie, The Thomas Crown Affair. Aha. Have you ever seen it? I have. I have. Great movie. Awesome. Really beautiful movie, too. According to an interview with his friend at the time, this guy Russell Metcalf, who we'll visit with later, too, mm -hmm. um, he must have watched, Teddy must have watched that movie at least six times. Well, he and in those it. days, that means he went to the theater six times. It wasn't like, oh, I always had it on at the house type thing. Yeah. Well, I like to think he got there for like the matinee and he's like, ah, oh, this was amazing. Walks out, walks back in. <laughs> <laughs> he just sits there. No, he yeah. doesn't walk out. He just hides <laughs> under the seat, like on the sticky floor. So that's at least three viewings. And then he goes home and he's like, uh -huh. you know... That was a good you know, movie. You know what would really hit the spot right now? <laughs> Thomas Crown Affair. One, please. <laughs> he goes in. <laughs> so he, he, you know, just zones out on this movie. He comes back and he starts to brag to his friends that he could pull off something like the elaborate bank robbery in the movie. Oh, saying, of course. You know, it's not really that hard at all. So the next thing he does is he wants to show off to show his friends that he's like, you know, big and bad and Steve McQueen-ish. So he shoplifts a deck of cards. Nothing, nothing says, I'm cool like Steve McQueen, like shoplifting. All those movies Steve McQueen you was know? in where he's like... And all the shoplifting he did in those movies. The best Steve McQueen movie was called The Five Finger Discount. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, I guess that's the kind of thing that impresses young, well-off 20-year-olds. They're like, so. he had no fear. Like, oh, yeah, he had no, no fear. Of <laughs> he did it to impress his quote-unquote friends. <laughs> He seems like a nice kid, though, and it's okay. not entirely clear to them what he means when he keeps saying, like, oh, yeah, I, I could rob a bank. Um, let <laughs> I me think, take, I think they should take him literally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty one. Well, let's take a break. Okay. Maybe dream about relieving a large financial institution of a tiny fraction of its holdings. I always do. And when we come back, I will tell you, Elizabeth, about how and why young Teddy Conrad broke himself off something good and where he went from there. I can't wait. Can I rant for a sec? Please. 
Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. As you know, the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every crime I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. You don't want to worry. You just want peace of mind. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. For every ridiculous robbery and theft we talk about, it's pretty obvious the crimes could be avoided with a solid security system. A good home security system keeps people prepared and aware. Simply Safe is that system. It was named Best Home Security Systems 2024 by U.S. News and World Report. And it doesn't just protect your home from crime, it also alerts you to fire, floods, and other emergencies. They offer sensors and cameras backed by 24 7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There are no contracts, and there's a 60 day money back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. That's simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Become a part of the fast growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, we're back. Hey, Dave. Hey, Elizabeth. Let me give you a little bit of details on the Thomas Crown Affair so, yeah. that, um, so that folks listening, if they haven't seen it, will get a sense of, first of all, how amazing this movie is, but also how it relates to, to this crime. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and just to be clear, we're talking about the original 1969 one, not the 1999 remake reboot starring Pierce Brosnan, which may or may not be good. I don't know. Never seen I've it. never seen that one. Yeah, never seen it. I also, I don't believe we're talking about another Steve McQueen movie, 12 Years a Slave. <laughs> <laughs> Nor the five-finger discount. <laughs> Different Steve McQueen. <laughs> <laughs> so Thomas Crown Affair. It's about an already rich bank executive who pulls off a really well-planned bank heist on his own bank, basically for the love of the sport. Yeah. The bank exec is played by Steve McQueen, who comes across on the big screen in this and other movies as pretty much the coolest guy on the planet ever. Oh, totally, totally. And there are a couple of interesting things about the movie that I'd like to draw folks' attention to. First, there's a famous scene where insurance investigator Vicki Anderson, played by the incredible Faye Dunaway, asks Tom Crown why he is planning a second big heist to hit the same bank. You know, the one that employs him. <laughs> this is his reply. It's not the money. It's not the money. It's me. It's me and the system. The system. You know. And then he trails off. And we don't know, like, what he really means. What does yeah. his answer mean to you? I think that, you know, this idea, it's me and the system. He's part of the system, but he doesn't feel part of the system. And, you know, that that was my, that's how I took it. That it's just like, 
he knows he's a part of it, but he also wants to stick it to that system and he can afford to. So why not? Yeah. It's like, I don't know, like he's a bored rich dude. And yeah. And maybe, you know, maybe this is stretching, I don't know, but maybe he wants to prove that he's free from the bureaucracy that was suddenly creeping into everyone's lives. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. and like maybe his job had changed and now he's, you know, has to actually report things to the FBI or something. Um, because yeah. this is, you know, that that is starting to pop up as a theme in culture, in movies and TV and in everyday life. And there are lots of movies from that period where you can see the same desire. Like the one I think of is Easy Rider. Oh, yeah, that's a good that's a good example. Yeah, same year. And it's that like, I want to break free from society and culture and being civilized or, you know, something like that. Yeah, yeah. They just they want to get loose, Dave. <laughs> uh, another thing I want to draw everyone's attention to is the morality play in this movie. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're like me, you expected the cops to be relentless and maybe crooked. Yeah, like some Serpico action. Yeah, Exactly. Um, and especially you got this like main character struggling against the system. Um, yeah. But in this movie, the cops are totally by the book. And um, I don't know if you remember, like, while they do pursue Thomas Crown, it kind of feels like they don't expect they're going to close the case. They're just kind of going through the motions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and on the other hand, as soon as the insurance folks arrive on the scene, they're the ones who want you to know they are relentless and they will use their power any way they want. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, there's money involved. There's money involved for and them. It's, it's their money, yeah, yeah. And and uh, apparently, what they say in the as as they first show up is any insurance agents who close the case also get a solid percentage of whatever they recover in their own pocket. Right, right. It's kind of like the the uh, long history of private police, private security, Pinkertons, uh-huh. all of that, uh-huh. where they're they're mercenaries and they just want the money. Yeah, it's commission. Um. And they pretty quickly do break the law um, to during the course of the investigation. They track down one of the people Thomas Crown used to take down the bank, even though he went to great pains to make sure nobody knew each other. Mm-hmm. They take this guy who's just like some guy. They kidnap his child to lure him out of hiding. And then they shake him down for whatever information they get from him. Like they hold his kid hostage and they're like, if you don't tell us what we want to know, like we're going to hurt your kid. <laughs> So, so in the movie, you, just, you don't see that in enough movies. <laughs> you really don't. But it's like, you know, it says something to me about also like this other force that's emerging, this kind of like, you know, companies can, can uh, be much more threatening than even the cops can be. Like maybe sure. it's like a creeping fear people are starting to have. Yeah. I think that, yeah, you're seeing ex- expanding corporatization of things at that time. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. So like I said, like, I think this is kind of a peek into the psyche of the time and the growing power of the FBI and other dark, unseen bureaucracies. Well, um, and this is what's this is what's driving Teddy, right? Like he's watched this movie six times now, you said. Yeah. And that's OK. So, yeah, he's like under its sway at this and point. He's, he's just feeling it. He's like, yeah, yeah. Like I, I also and maybe, you know, after leaving school, he was feeling a little bit like an outcast. Um, yeah. Maybe he should have watched Easy Rider because then he would have just... <laughs> Look. Then he'd be a whole lot cooler. But right now he's like, it's me and the system, baby. Yeah, that's it. So in addition to Teddy's friends saying he loved this movie, they said he sort of embodied the Thomas Crown character for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they say he was like drinking expensive gins, driving fancy sports cars, like showing off on the golf course. I, I Wait. Like, I really have oh. trouble picturing So this. do I. <laughs> I like to think he also dyed his hair blonde and bought an eight hundred dollar three piece suit and a watch fob. As, <laughs> of course, as a twenty year old, this twenty year old like drinking, you know, scotch and playing <laughs> golf in Ohio. He's like impressing all of his friends with his knowledge of like the <laughs> but different. But he's also, yeah, he's impressing them also by shoplifting a deck of cards. <laughs> yeah. Make those make sense. Is he then like? Like in the movie, he's driving like ex- exotic dune buggies on picturesque beaches, like in Ohio. Yes. He flies yeah. an ultralight to the bank in Ohio, and, like, and then frolics with his glamorous co-star. He was very, very meticulous in his his mimicry. And it's 1969, baby. So is he also hosting naked fondue parties? A hundred percent. Who is to say? And we know he's got a job at a bank, right? And we know he managed to steal a whole bunch of money, but we don't know what happened in there. Yeah, I'm desperate to know how he wound up strolling out with a bag of cash, a paper bag of cash. Okay, then, Elizabeth. What I would like you to do Mm -hmm. is close your eyes. (gasps) My eyes are closed. I want you 
to picture it. <clears throat> You're in a completely deadened, soundless, empty room. Nothing is happening. Nothing will happen. Just relax and breathe. I've now removed the burden of me having to do sound design for a picture at segment. <laughs> Yes, I win. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> All right, cool. All right. Done. All right. All right. Thanks for joining Perfect. us. Check that one off. <laughs> uh, Do okay. it next time. <laughs> okay, for real though, for real though. Okay. Picture. For real, for real. Okay. All right, we're there. It's a Friday. It's noontime. It's July 1969. You are a 20-year-old who works at a small-time hardware store. It's your friend Teddy's birthday. And you're sharing your lunch break to celebrate. You and Teddy are at a booth in a chrome-laden diner, choking down hot dogs. Maybe you're sucking down chili dogs. I'm not sure. <laughs> you're choking on a hot dog. <laughs> yeah. uh, the eating room some is fries. Black. <laughs> you're also eating some fries, uh, and you're sucking down a black cow, which is the chocolate oh, shake oh. made with vanilla oh. ice cream. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what what impression you have of me, Dave. This, this is not a this is not a parallel 1969. This is real 1969. <laughs> You're looking over at Teddy. His hair is slicked back. He is on suspenders with a gun holster over a black turtleneck. <laughs> His transformation to Steve McQueen is nearly complete. Between slurps, Teddy stirs his shake, shoots you a furtive glance, and says, "Today's the day." At first, you're like, why are you talking like that? Yeah, and you right. have no, no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> but then he coyly puts his finger to his nose, and you remember. Oh, wow, you say. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> Again. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Thank you. After you both finish up and pay, you accompany Teddy to the package store on the corner. You stand behind him as he buys a fifth of Crown Royal and a carton of smokes. <laughs> he grabs a bag of Funyuns for you. You look hungry. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> the cashier <laughs> is handing him the booze and smokes en naturel, not the cashier, the product. Oh, I was like, what is going on in I this knew. town in 1969? Knew I lost you. Uh, <laughs> so he asks for a bag or a bag, as it sounds in Midwesternese. Okay. Uh -huh. The cashier hands him a small paper bag. No, the bigger one. <laughs> it's my birthday, Teddy says to the teller. <laughs> going to have a real big night. His voice just cracked like he couldn't keep Wait. doing the husky thing. <laughs> I, need a big I need a big birthday bag. I'm a big boy now. <laughs> birthday boys get a birthday bag. <laughs> um, so you and Teddy part ways outside the package store. Yeah, you we do. With your Funyuns. Him with his big birthday bag. I'm just going to go sit behind a dumpster and eat the Funyuns like a raccoon. <laughs> and wipe Stare your hands on your distance. pants. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so you head back to your job at the hardware place. Your mind is racing with what's about to play out. You're thinking like, today's the day. Yeah, what does this that mean? It. So Teddy heads back to Society National Bank, where you'll remember he works as a teller. Right. Uh, along with his partner, Penn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, on his way up the front steps, he sees the security guard, Mike. Hey, Mike. With ice running through his veins, Teddy hoists the paper <laughs> bag, pulls the neck of the crown bottle out, and then the top of the smokes carton. He's got a big grin on his face as he shouts to the security guard, it's my birthday, gonna have a real big night. Oh God. It's a line he had practiced at home for hours in front of the mirror. No. <laughs> Mike smiles back and says, okay kid, do it up. Oh my God, happy birthday Mike... and take care of yourself. Mike feels so bad for Teddy all the time. <laughs> Cause like this is the third time this month that he's come up and said, it's my birthday, gonna have a big night. Don't you pity me, Teddy. <laughs> you don't know. It's my birthday. I'm going to have a big night. Just me and a, <laughs> just me, a bottle of Crown Royal and a carton of smokes. Oh, and, enjoy it. Me and Parliament Funkadelic and the Royal Crown. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but Teddy's giddy. He lightly vaults up the rest of the steps and heads back to his station at the bank. It's birthday. Now, Teddy wasn't just any teller working front of house. Teddy was a vault teller. Oh. What that means is he and his colleague, Penn, are alone with all the money pretty much all day. Yeah, yeah. They fulfill orders to the customer-facing tellers. 
Got it. So they're like, you know, yeah. dreaming of greenbacks. They're just and they and they stand. They're surrounded by it all day in a big vault. Yeah, and like you know, I'm sure they've done at least one Scrooge McDuck dip, right? I was just gonna say they're like Ooh, <laughs> dipping into it. Uh, okay, so now it's around three thirty p.m. It's mm-hmm. been quiet at the bank. There's nothing going on because everyone's glued to their sets at home, waiting for news from NASA about the moon mission. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So Teddy says to to Penn. Why don't you knock off early? I got this. I'll close up for the both of us. His coworker scurries off. And that's well, kind of it. Clock hits closing time. Teddy grabs as many cheddar stacks as will fit in his outsized bag with the <laughs> smokes and the liquor, which ends up being something like $215,000. And he leaves a cloud of dust as he heads for the door. So it's like a big grocery bag. That's what I'm saying. Size. It's a birthday bag. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday to like, me. Like they probably handed him a bag that covered the the uh, flask. Right. And he's like, no, 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 no. And then they handed him a bag that covered the smokes. And he's like, no, 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 no. 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 He went, you know what? Like, I think every school had a kid who their parents would occasionally send them, send them to school with their lunch in a giant grocery size bag. Oh, yeah. Did you ever have that? Like, sure. I, I never struck out that way because if we didn't have lunch bags or like a lunchbox or whatever my grandma would put them in those blue new york times newspaper (laughs) a little wet (laughs) from morning dew yeah 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 Um, so yeah he's got like a big old lunch up in there i always think of the big ones as like the john bender doobage bags from breakfast (laughs) (laughs) yes yes (laughs) the prop master did such a good job with that thing like it looked like it was old and reeked and yeah Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm imagining him okay. carrying here. So, you know, as we know, on the steps, he runs into Mike, the security guard again. He waves. Mike waves back and he's gone. So <laughs> my question to you is, does Mike shout something like very 1969 back at him this time? <laughs> he like throws up, he throws up a peace symbol. <laughs> Would that be like keep on trucking? Yeah, he was at, and he's wearing like platform uh, shoes. And bell bottoms, keep on trucking, <laughs> and then just rainbows fly out from him, and then stars appear, all illustrated in this. Yeah, this just this whole thing is just a He's acid like, dream. Hey, kid, you drop some, and instead of Mean Joe Green <laughs> giving him his uniform, the the security guard gives him his uniform. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> so, what does Teddy do next? Where to, bud? Teddy heads to the giant, brutalist federal building in Boston that houses the region's Social Security Administration. So Teddy walks in. And he says something like, hey, uh, I'd like to need a social security card and stuff. <laughs> it's uh, my birthday. <laughs> yeah, it's my birthday. And see this bag? Um, <laughs> this being 1969, they're like, of course, my good man. I'll type it up right now. <laughs> Pray tell, what is your name? <sighs> but you know what? Like, they ironically, they have the same computer system now that they have. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, so Teddy gives... Thomas Randell as his name and okay. pads his age by two years and poof, he's a new person. It was Wait, that he easy could just back. walk in and be like, I need a social security card. It's yes. my birthday. I'm Teddy. And as far as I can tell, that's it. Like he didn't like do the whole thing of like, let me find a dead person recently yeah. dead and use their, it was just like, um, Thomas Randell. Like I didn't find that name, um, yeah. until Teddy pops up. Wow. I'm I'm going to try it and I'll do like body cam footage and we'll see how that goes. I'm just going <laughs> to go into the social security building. I thought hey, everybody, it's me. <laughs> I thought you were saying you're going to give the name body cam footage as your name. <laughs> yeah, and, and my new name. I'm going to go into the social security office. I'm like, I need a social security card. My name is body cam footage. So you're like, ma'am, this is an Arby's. <laughs> um, so let's let's just like stop and think about this for a second. Okay. Does this sound like the movie Thomas Crown Affair at all? No. 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 Right? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, it doesn't. I mean, only in the sense that, like, he got away with the bank robbery of his own bank. I mean, there's that. It sounds like it because he said his name was Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> on the new card. <laughs> and I wonder where Randell came from. Is that like... I have no idea. <laughs> like, he he uh, he had a prophecy that there was going to be a football player named... Antoine Randall L. And then he was mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's there it is. Yeah. Uh, so we're not sure how long Teddy, now Thomas, roams around. There are some leads along the way for Marshall John Elliott, some spottings in Hawaii and elsewhere that may or may not have been real. Mm-hmm. But eventually, we do know he settles for good in the town of Linfield, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. 
And the newspaper stories from around his death make a big deal out of how he decides to live so close to where the Thomas Crown Affair took place and was filmed. But to me, what? meh. I mean, yeah, it's close, but it's not that close. Like, No, not really. Most of the action of the film takes place in downtown Boston proper um, and in Beacon Hill and in Cambridge Cemetery, which is in Cambridge. Cambridge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Linfield is by the North Shore or North Shaw, as you would say, if you were there, <laughs> uh, 17 miles north of all that. Well, here's the thing. Like he he his crime really wasn't like the Thomas Crown affair. It was like TCA adjacent. <laughs> so he's TCA adjacent in his relocation. Like it's always it's like a bad crayon yeah. drawing version of everything. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah. It's close enough. And you know, from what I could glean, he lives a pretty nice life. All right. Over time, he becomes a local golf pro. <laughs> He's giving lessons at the clubs around Boston. Oh, my God. He's participating in regional tournaments. All things that, you know, Steve McQueen would do in a Steve McQueen movie for sure. Totally. <laughs> totally. For work, get ready for this. He becomes uh -huh. a luxury car salesman. Oh, my God. Mini Coopers. For over 40 years. No, no. Not even anything as exotic as that. Volvos and Land Rovers. Huh. Okay. So, like, the Suburban set. It's kind of like the reverse of, uh, you know, the whole thing of like hard men say that they are used car dealers. Yeah. No, he does this crime and then says he's a car, then becomes yeah, a car dealer. And he's like adjacent. So he's like, I'm actually a luxury car, <laughs> new cars. Yeah. Wait, I heard something about car dealer. He does do a good job keeping a low profile. So the first mention anywhere on newspapers.com, by the way, a fantastic source for anything you're Isn't looking for. Isn't it the greatest past, thing ever? I got so lost in there. And uh, and I will tell you in this episode just how amazing it is. Wait for it. Here's a hot tip for anyone interested in dabbling with newspapers.com. Put in your home address, like your number and your, the name of your street in the local paper, and you'll find out like through history everything that went down at your house. That's a great call. I didn't it's even think to do fun. that. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a special investigator. What can I say? So the first time he pops on newspapers.com is in 1975 in golf tournament results at Halifax Country Club in the Boston Globe. <laughs> okay. All so right. like, what is that? Uh, six? Six uh, years? Yeah. Six, seven years, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and the only things I could find in the newspaper from, that, from this 50-year stretch were from his golf career. Wow. And the only photo I found was from the AP when he attended the U.S. Open golf tourney in 2018. And I wonder if he was like, yeah, could you guys like not <laughs> post that photo? <laughs> He's got like one hand over the side of his face. Or at that point, it's been like 47 years. Or is he like, what eh. does he care? He's yeah. like, no one cares. <laughs> who knows who cares? Um, but there is one anomaly that I just can't figure out. Mm -hmm. I will tell you about it as soon as we come back from this year break. Cool. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career and here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Elizabeth. David. I'm not Zarin. I'm still not Zarin. I know. Thank you for getting my name right, though. Hey, I pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I'm going to ask you what your ridiculous takeaway is when this is all over. Uh, I better I better get cribbing on that. <laughs> uh, so we were talking about, man, I T- always... I, TCA I, adjacency. TCA adjacent. I keep getting the names crossed. TCA adjacent Thomas Randell. I always want to yeah, say Thomas AKA Conrad. A.K.A. Teddy. A.K.A. Teddy Conrad. A.K.A. Birthday boy. And we know, like, he lived a pretty good life, uh, and he was around for over 50 years. Um, Golf pro, slanging sweet Volvos. Before we were so rudely interrupted by ads. Mm-hmm. They were really good, though, you have to admit. That's true. That was a hot crop right there. Choice. There's one piece of the story that I haven't been able to figure out, and I want your help figuring it out. You got it. So, Thomas got married in Linfield to a woman named Kathy Mahan, M-A-H-A-N. Mm-hmm. Which would almost be like in Rhode Island, if someone said Kathy Mahan, you would think they were meant Kathy Maharn. Oh, there's like these. But see, I would Mars. think it would if it's M A H N, it might also be Mahan. Oh, it could be yeah, Kathy Mahan, Kathy Mayhem. Ka- that that's her <laughs> actual name, everybody. Kathy Mayhem. Uh, they own a home, nothing crazy, pretty standard suburban Boston home. But in 2014, they filed for bankruptcy protection. Huh. And I was able to look it up on Pacer, which is, you know, a place where you can find uh, court uh, court proceedings. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. bankruptcies are, you know, public. You have to file stuff for yeah. people like me to find. So this was all, you know, public <laughs> information. I'm just saying, I, I didn't go creeping. Yeah. Um, if you did, I'd be so proud of you. <laughs> so the court records show they had a ton of credit card debt, like $160,000 and mm-hmm. very few assets. Mm-hmm. They had a couple of economy cars. They had some pretty standard jewelry, a second mortgage, nothing extravagant. So my question to you, Elizabeth Crime, is where did all the money go? Well, are you sure it was all credit card debt? Do you think they had medical debt? It didn't specify. I mean, it did say it was like revolving credit kind of stuff. I'll let you in on a little secret in in my past life. There was a time when I worked for a bankruptcy trustee. Mm. And I used to have to go through the bankruptcy um, schedules that people would file and pull out all the pertinent information. Okay. And you'd see like, you know, and then we'd get ready for what they call the MOC, the meeting of creditors, where the creditors would come and, and explain why they had to get their cash back. And really, the only ones that would ever show up would be like Sears for Sears cards. <laughs> and they'd interview the, the, the person who's declaring bankruptcy and be like, where is that, that toaster oven? Like, I gave it away as a gift. Um, but this so, is fascinating. But what, yeah, it, it is. Don't fall asleep on me. No, so no, like the, I want to, um, I'm imagining that scene. Like I'm imagining someone from Sears and the Sears shoot showing up. It's like, amazing. Yeah. It's, a, it's a really bizarre thing that they do. But a lot of what I saw was medical debt. And so, mm. you know, people would rack up credit cards and especially like, you know, there was a time when it was way easier to get a bunch of credit cards and uh-huh. there were fewer kind of consumer protections on them. Um and so, you know, people like just spending like crazy on these store credit cards and, and regular credit cards. But then it was the medical debt that did it to people. It oh, like they horrific. If it's not looking like it was from, a, you know, a medical provider on the 
the bankruptcy listing stuff that mm-hmm. you saw. It probably yeah. isn't. But that's, in my experience, what I saw is most people were declaring bankruptcy not because of bad spending habits or mm-hmm. extravagant living or whatever. Like, they'd get sick, and they either didn't have insurance or their insurance wouldn't cover what happened, and they'd uh-huh. have, like, hundreds of thousand dollars of medical yeah. debt. So. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Like, I know even, like, yeah, that today... um, People either like they have to set up GoFundMe's or like mm-hmm. one big bad medical thing happens and you're just done. Yeah. So I mean, maybe like he had a bunch of stuff and he put it onto cards. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, the marshal said there were still stacks of unpaid bills on their table after he died. It's really sad. Oh. So, yeah. Where did that money go? Because it was 200 something that well. I mean, the thing is, if he's just kind of goofing around being a golf pro for a while, maybe he's not making money. And well, my, I, could see, I could see how you'd burn through it. My, uh, yeah, my two theories were one, when he was young in those six years before he ended up in Linfield, like he basically blew it all and we'll never know about it, like had a really good time and then saved just enough to buy the house. Or here's, here's the, uh, here's the cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. What if he felt really bad about the crime? And so he buried it. And then like, on his deathbed, when he's confessing to his wife, he's also saying, oh, and here's where the money is. Here's where it is. Yeah. That's a cooler version of this. I like that. Um, or, you know, he could have just thrown in the trash. He was like, you know what? I feel terrible <laughs> having this. I'm just going to take this bag and shove it. <laughs> that could be too. This guy's a loose cannon. Yeah. Uh, we don't know. Who who knows? In this case, I do care. So I'm not going to use your line of <laughs> who, who knows, cares. Dave cares. <laughs> yeah. I care. Who, who knows, knows? I care. Um <laughs> So not to bring the house down, but but the, the way he dies is through lung cancer, and it's pretty bad as it usually is. Um, well, he was buying a carton of smokes <laughs> at a time. I'm sorry, that was rude. Um, and yeah, remember, like he's been on the lam for 50 years. No one has any clue that Thomas Randell is Teddy Conrad. Yeah, the son, Marshall Peter Elliott, uh, was quoted by the Cleveland Plane Dealer in 2008. So a while before they find him, one of the reasons I stayed after this guy is that some people thought he was some kind of a hero or Robin Hood. He's not. He was nothing but a thief, a young, smart-ass thief who managed to elude law enforcement for all these years. Hopefully, we can bring him to justice soon. Oh, and that's the son who's that's carrying the son. This, this. Well, here's the thing, too. You did mention he's on the lam for 50 years. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think it's ridiculous to have him declare bankruptcy at that point because that's 50 years is a long time to be riding on that cash. Yeah. I think it was gone pretty quickly. Okay. I li- and I like your idea of that lost six years before he moves to Linfield. Yeah. I mean, we don't know, like other than that, he was in Boston initially to get his, uh, to get his social security card, you know, he's just, he's just, left no you know, traipsing around, spending his money on <laughs> liquor and tarts. Maybe he fell into like a cult of some kind and donated a bunch <gasps> of it to them. Yes. It's Maybe the, he, I mean, early he wound 70s. up funding sex <laughs> Yeah. Uh, or he found like some brotherhood of, of uh, ganja or something. Yes, that's another possibility. <laughs> um, so Peter's dad, Deputy Marshal John Elliott, did not live to see this case closed. He died in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and according to the New York Post, quote, he never stopped searching for Conrad and wanted closure until his death. Aww. So he was like cheering his son on from the sidelines. Yeah. And I know Peter was hitting the case real hard in part because while I was doing my research on newspapers.com, when I got to the original newspaper that printed the indictment in 1969, mm-hmm. Elizabeth, guess what I found next to it? Oh my God, what? The article had already been clipped by a newspaper.com user named Peter Elliott. What? The digital <laughs> footprints. This is the stuff we live for. Oh my God, you're walking in the footsteps of heroes. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you lose oh, it over wild. if you were like looking for a story and you saw that they clipped something that you were looking at before you? Oh, did? most definitely the person in the story. That's yeah. what I would. I would totally lose it. <laughs> I thought you were going to go Anthony Kiedis. Well, that I really lose it if it was <laughs> or if it was the Kiedis. Yeah, yeah. No, it's Frusciante. I mean, that, that's when I would lose my mind. I feel like I didn't give enough of a beat here. Like, how wild is that? That's yeah. That you're wa- you're looking at this and you're watching that the son of the man in the article has has clipped it. That's incredible. And you also like to think like, oh, the marshals have their own like, you know, badass databases and stuff. Nope, they also use newspapers. That was some com. home investigation stuff. Like that's like sitting at home on a Friday night, <laughs> you know, deep in deep in your study of of conspiracy string. <sighs> so that's amazing. 
Yeah. So he got his closure. Let's get ours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a guy off off camera who's like, wrap it up, wrap it up. But I have so much good stuff. It's so hard to know what to cut. I mentioned at the top that Teddy confessed to his wife as he lay dying. Mm-hmm. He had made a ton of good friends, including some in law enforcement, which is brazen <laughs> as hell. Right. But his wife kept the secret until after he died. Good for her. Till death do us part. Legit. Yep. His friends, when they found out about all this, they were stunned. I think both the lung cancer and the bank robbery, they all thought the world of him. Oh, so they didn't even know that he had lung cancer. He kept that a secret? Yeah. Wow. He's a Um, secretive, yeah. Secretive, kind of proud guy. Yeah. Little sneaky squirrel. I pulled some of their recollections from a CBS News piece. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll just read you a couple of these. His former co-workers at the uh, dealership said they never heard Randell say a bad word about anybody or raise his voice. They all said he was the best golfer they ever knew. Everyone wanted him on their side when there was a tournament. Hmm. Uh, one of his coworkers, Bob Van Wert, said he wasn't much of a drinker and never put down any side bets while playing. <laughs> I guess those are like the marks of a, of a like mean golfer. <laughs> you're a drunk and you're betting on the side. They remember he kept he, it clean. He worked clean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they remembered he could always control his emotions and rarely got upset, even on the course, where he had such a pretty swing that he once bested Hall of Fame golfer Johnny Miller at a charity event his former boss remembered. A pretty swing. He got a real pretty swing. <laughs> and also, Johnny Miller, not actor Johnny Lee Miller, who has a pretty face. <laughs> and not Johnny Miller. King Is that King of the Road? Uh, Roger Miller? Roger Miller. Roger. <laughs> yeah. It's Roger Miller's brother. Uh, Matt Kaplan, who is his boss and managed two dealerships where he worked, golfed with him every Sunday morning for many years, called him the definition of a gentleman. Hmm. Well, well. And I quote, the only way it makes sense is that at that age, he was just a kid and it was a challenge kind of thing, Kaplan said. It's not like he became a professional bank robber that we know. That we, that we know of. <laughs> right? Uh, and then he says, you know, the man was different from the kid and, and we just didn't think he was that kind of guy. Uh, someone else said, you know, all the years I knew Tommy, I never heard him mention a sister or a mother or a brother or a father. Everything was kind of generalized. (laughs) He's like, yes, I love my family. (laughs) And finally, when asked about the motive for the robbery, his friend Russell Metcalf, who we met in that coffee shop, said, it wasn't about the money. So is that too cute by half? Right. <laughs> wasn't it? Well, what was it about Russell? He said he was like, I'm trying to remember what he said. He said something like, you know, he did it for the thrill. Well, uh, so that's the Thomas Crown part of it. I guess. Like that it's not about the money. It's just yeah. for the action. Well, but it doesn't seem like he felt hemmed in by society. Right. It was just like, I'm a bored, you know. What, well, it was the part of Thomas Crown that's like, I'm a rich bank executive and I don't know how to have fun anymore. Yeah. But he's adjacent to that, so he's a, a young bank teller who doesn't know how to. He doesn't know how to have fun anymore. That's right. What'd you call it? TCA. It's the TCA, TCA adjacent. adjacent. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, so yeah, instead of the bank executive, he's the bank teller. Exactly. Just <laughs> and, a little bit off. Every and time. instead of Persol glasses, he's got Ray Ban glasses. <laughs> so this brings us to how the case was cracked. It's a little yeah. mysterious. There's still there's a little mystery here too. Shortly after Randell's obituary appeared in the local paper, Marshal Peter Elliott got a tip that he should read this obituary because it might help him with something he's investigating. Mm. Um, I was going to read the obituary here, but I'm just going to, we're going to post it in the uh, Instagram. Um, yeah. But I'll tell you, it was the mostly true tale of Theodore Conrad. Uh, it listed his parents' real names, had the dates oh. off by two years, but otherwise it all squared. So. Huh. Peter Elliott's reading this, bells go off in his head, he puts it all together. And in order to confirm, he pulled the records from the bankruptcy filings in 2014 and compared the signature to Teddy's college application in 1968. Whoa, Whoa, deep dive. It's a match. Yeah. Things you can't find on newspapers.com. Right. (laughs) So he did some of his own legwork. Dang. So the only thing left to do was to follow up with Kathy, Thomas's wife. She gets a knock on her door six months after his death. Thankfully, in this case, the feds were merciful. Okay. She didn't get accessory after the fact. (laughs) No. They confirmed the details with her. She's still in mourning. And the feds decided to drop the charges against Randell slash Conrad. They're like, yeah, what's the point? He's dead. Yeah. Yeah. So I ask you, Uh what's your ridiculous takeaway? 
My ridiculous takeaway is that every criminal, because I like we look at he has Thomas Crown Affair, he's TCA adjacent, mm-hmm. and then Radon Faid was Michael Mann adjacent. I think every criminal should have some sort of filmography that they're adjacent <laughs> to. I like so it. just a little off. Make it make it fun for us. And it, I also want to go to a bank robbers convention. <laughs> it seems like it worked pretty well, right? Like having a yeah, having a movie be your theme. Like yeah. So so tell me, Dave, what's your ridiculous takeaway? Thank you for asking. No problem. I would say it's interesting to me that he transforms from like would be cool dude, coolest dude, mm-hmm. into a local golf pro, luxury car dealer, kind of a herb. Like, well. I, mean, I don't really know. Really nice yeah. guy. Like I, you know, with all respect to to his widow who still lives. Like he seems like a really good dude through and through. Right. But right. St- style wise, you know, it's definitely not what he was imagining when he was imagining Steve McQueen. Yeah, so, very true. So my question is: Is that the price he pays for dreaming big and going after that dream? To not be Steve McQueen. Well, like you get it. Like you, you did the crime. Mm-hmm. You got away with it. But you can't be Steve McQueen because Steve McQueen is Steve McQueen. Oh, yeah, only Steve McQueen can be Steve McQueen. <laughs> and like or, the, yeah. or Steve McQueen, the film director, can be Steve. Steve <laughs> That's McQueen. right. Well, there are but two. <laughs> and maybe the Faustian bargain is like you can do cool things, but you can't be cool. You're going to have to be kind of yeah. a nerd. Yeah. Well, you can't just decide you're going to do cool stuff. And it'll make you cool. You just have to be cool. Mm. You know? Like it's Pony be, Boy. It's, yeah, it's not a... It's a <laughs> it can't be that that constructed in... in uh, what am I... Yeah. In order to stay gold... In order to stay gold, you have to start gold. Exactly. To bring it back to Pony Boy. It has to be purposeful. And uh, the second ridiculous takeaway I have is... Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've... You know, there's this Bob Dylan lyric we've discussed before offline... Uh, Mm -hmm. from Absolutely Sweet Marie off of Blonde on Blonde, which came out in 1966. Mm -hmm. So Teddy could have heard it. The line is, to live outside the law, you must be honest. Yep, exactly. And wherever Zarin is, again, I know he's kicking himself because this was like a part of his upbringing. Mm -hmm. Now, Bob Dylan was a legendary trickster, and it's hard to know so often whether his lyrics are profound or if they're totally empty of meaning, just sounding smart and deep, but actually... Or that he played characters. He He definitely played characters. But this one kind of sticks with you, I think. Oh, yeah, it definitely does. So, Elizabeth, in this story, do we have a one-time criminal who went on to live an honest life outside the law and got it done? I would say yes. Yeah, right? Like, he left his old identity behind. Yep. He never spoke to his family again. Yep. He never told anyone anything meaningful about his past. Mm-hmm. It, it's like he followed the Ten Crack Commandments. He and, totally uh, <laughs> Good on you. Good on you, Teddy. And other than racking up massive consumer debts, he seems to have lived very much by the book. Yeah. And his past never caught up with him. So maybe that's good advice from old Bob. Exactly. I love it. Well, that's it from here. Finally, I am Zarin Burnett. I, well, kind of, you're Zarin Burnett adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Elizabeth Dutton. I guess you're more Zarin Burnett than I am, but. <laughs> We're all, everyone's got a little Zarin Burnett to them. <laughs> You can find us, all of us, on Instagram at Ridiculous Crime, all one word. We post photos from the goings-on in the episode on Instagram stories, and each episode gets a main grid post where you can read about it, tell us what you thought, and any lingering questions or theories. We also have a presence on Twitter at Ridiculous Crime, all one word. You can leave out the all one word part, <laughs> which is how a lot of people have found out about the show. So for It's as long not as- a verified account, though. That's true. We, we're not, we're too we're cheap not to pony up the eight bucks a month. <laughs> Uh, so for as long as Twitter exists and as long as uh, our posts aren't deprioritized, you can find it that way. Yeah. You can also email us at ridiculouscrime at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us. That's it for today. Ridiculous Crime is usually hosted by Zarin Burnett and Elizabeth Dutton, and sometimes also by Dave Kustin. It's produced and edited by luxury used car dealer Dave Kustin. Research is by insurance company investigator Marissa Brown. The theme song is by local club golf pro Thomas Lee and Social Security Administrator Travis Dutton. Executive producers are Ben Chesterfield Bolin and Noel Parliaments with the Cardboard Filter Brown. Ridiculous Crime. Say it one more time. Ridiculous Crime. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.